Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a at a point right now where they're I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of fun, Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history, uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. For another episode, week three of Sunbelt Conference football in the books. Guys, the biggest news of the week, ULM got a win, baby. Yes. What? Yes, it was over Coach Dion, but they got a win 12-7. to 7. How about that? Didn't really? find the end zone, but we don't need the end zone. We got a great kicker there in Caleb Sutherland. He's going to be the Lou Graza coach, uh, kicker of the week. And that's all that matters, guys. ULM got to got to win. So thank you for showing up, and and we'll we'll do it again next week. Well, <laughs> hey, baby, you had a victory Monday yesterday, so a terrific Tuesday, right, Dusty? That's amazing. It it is. Well, Dusty, I'm sure the coach didn't want to reveal too much when he against uh, the FCS opponent, especially with Troy coming in. So so the 12 points, the nothing but kicking, all by design for probably the one time this season. I can do it, Jeremy. I can brag and be like, hey, how'd your team do? <laughs> you know, we don't even have to talk about the Red Wolves. We, we, in fact, we can just move into week four, if you'd like. We could just, we could just talk about what's the, the future and not the past. So, Ben, my, my, my fellow winner of the week, uh, mm-hmm. have you basked in enough glory yet? And, and is everything right in the Royal Blue Nation? Uh, for the, for this week, uh, there happens to be a short trip down 85 to play the, uh, no, no big deal. Uh, just a top, another top 25 foe in the Auburn Tigers down there, Jordan Hare. Um, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a great, uh, win in the fact that it was a win. Um, you know, mapping this schedule out as we had the last few weeks, we know how tough that non-conference was. Army is now three and O and just absolutely obliterated, uh, the, uh, what used to be the Connecticut Huskies, uh, and, <laughs> Uh, they, you know, then you had obviously the North Carolina, uh, team who, um, the Panthers have to feel pretty good about, you know, only giving up, I don't know, 50 considering the university of Virginia gave up 59 to that same bunch. So you're looking at and going somehow maybe good. I'm uh, just throwing it out there. It's possible. Uh, his offense may be getting better after that initial, uh, stun, but yeah, no, um, you know, it was a slick, you know, rained all day, uh, ugly, uh, kind of beat you up games. Uh, it was old man football. You know, it, we certainly had 50 rushing attempts uh, for the Panthers. And now obviously things get a little bit more difficult. Uh, what I just enjoy was the uh, Charlotte coaching staff uh, talks a lot of trash just in general. And they call their locker room after wins club lit. So uh, <laughs> coaches after the game, uh, they came over and said, uh, sorry, fellas, the club is now closed here. It's 1045. You got to go home. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. This week, Sunbelt Conference games kick off. Obviously, Louisiana Lafayette travels to Georgia Southern to go play in the creek. But more importantly, a game that hasn't happened in two years because it was canceled last year to close the season, Troy goes to good old Funrow, and the man that knows about Troy and the twin cities of Funrow, Adam Prendergast joins us, SID for Troy. Welcome in, Adam. 
Hey, we spent we spent five good years in 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 Monroe. Both uh, I got I can't say both anymore. I got three of them now. I keep on forgetting about the little one. But uh, first two kids were born born in Monroe, and uh, man, it, we we had some good memories there. But it, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a hot minute. It's been ten years since I lived there. So uh, be uh, be nice to get back this weekend for sure. Tom flies when you're having fun. Hard to believe, honestly, that we're already a, a, a fourth of the way through the, the college football season. Tell us about Troy in these early games and, and, and kind of what we can expect to see out of the Trojans this, this week. Yeah, you're right. I, I was thinking about that morning, too, when I was wrapping up my game notes for the week and, you know, putting game four and all the headers for everything. And you spend so much time preparing for football season. And then, like, it just, you know, you, it just flies by and three games are already done. And, and it's 365 days a year for all this football stuff to get ready for it, and like it's just it's over so quick. But um, but yeah, man, we we we're, we're two and one on the year so far. Opened up uh, 55 to three over Southern in a game that uh, obviously wasn't very close at all, and kind of surprised. I thought Southern was going to be a little bit better um, than than what they were when they came in. But but the defense was moving through the, throughout the first games. Liberty ran into a Heisman Trophy candidate, you know. If if Malik Willis is playing for a Power Five team, he's in the he's in the top three Heisman candidate right now. He's just he's that dynamic of a player, his size, his speed, uh, his elusiveness in the pocket, what he's able to do with the football. Um, you know, we scored on the first drive of the game, didn't score again until the last drive, and the defense the defense hung in there, man. They limited them to like 150 yards less than what they did last year, and really uh, kept Malik in check as best they could. And then last week. Uh, a road game at Southern Miss, you know, a robbery kind of in the making. We got them on the books for three more years after this. And, uh, you know, defense showed up again. We gave up a field goal on the first drive of the game. And the only other points that Southern Miss scored in that game was a fumble return for a touchdown. And, uh, you know, down 3 nothing at the halftime. And then, you know, kind of came back, scored 21 points in the second half, pulled out the win. Uh, when we were talking earlier, you had mentioned something about about points and and, and – you sort of implied that maybe the offense is not kind of keeping up with the defense. Is the strength of this Troy team, the defense this year? Oh, 100%, I think right now, you know, and it's just from a, you know, just from a roster management standpoint, you know, uh, if you look at the offensive side of the ball, returned all five starters on the offensive line, uh, but new quarterback that came in, you know, Taylor Powell from Missouri beat out Gunnar Watson for the starting job. We lost our three top receivers. Um, Khalil McClain went on the NFL Trey Eford um, graduated and kind of retired from football uh, due to a bunch of injuries, and he, he kind of hung it up. And then uh, we're starting a freshman at running back in, in Kamani Bidell. And so just they're just kind of trying to feel their way out a little bit right now, to be honest with you. But um, the defense is something that's been building. You guys are familiar with what Troy defense was, you know, even, just even three years ago, um, you know, under the previous regime and, and, and the numbers that they were putting up and, you know, battling app every year for the top defensive unit in the conference. And then, you know, in 2019, we started 22 different players on the defensive side of the football uh, due to injuries and whatnot. Five starters going into that season uh, didn't play. Either they were academically ineligible or they transferred out or for whatever reasons. And so the 2019 team just on defense of the football just was never put together the right way. Pieces of it were, were in place last year, ended the season strong, um, held four of the last five teams to, to 20 points or fewer. And then it's just kind of picked up this year, but. Um, yeah, I think defense is going to kind of carry this team until the offense gets their foot in underneath them for sure. I had a quick question. You talked about the offense specifically. Um, you know, that's that's certainly the moniker of Chip Lindsey and, and where he's come from and kind of what he's drawn. Uh, is it just that he 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, no disrespect to Southern, but I'm, I'm going to move slide them to the side because now it's, you know, F, the FBS teams now that on, on the schedule. So, uh, um, you know, it, it looks like to me, at least from the outside, uh, e- either things haven't necessarily gone the way that Chip wants, or is it just, you know, basically, hey, uh, we're going to do enough just to, you know, get what we need to get done and, and you know, play efficient offense. No, I think it's definitely the former. Um, you know, you know, when you get shut out in the first half uh, of a game, which we which we did last week at Southern Miss, you know, it's it's not trying to get done what it is. And and he and he's been honest with it. He came out and said it. We we're just not playing well enough on, on that side of the ball. And you know, they really tried to establish the run game this year because um, that 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 wasn't there last year from 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 running the football. And and so you know, they've tried to, especially these last two weeks, you know, establish a little bit of a running game. Uh, and it just hasn't taken off for whatever reason. Trying to figure out what that reason they were. The fact that they played, you know, maybe some good defense. Because I know Southern Miss's defense is, is going to be pretty good. And we'll see how they or, uh, shake out the rest of the year. But, um, you know, in that, you kind of saw a vintage Chip Lindsey offense come out a little bit. Um, you know, open the playbook up a little bit more, threw the ball a lot more. Pal ended up with 37 pass attempts in that game, uh, with most of them coming in the second half. Um, and, you know, Reggie, Reggie Todd, uh, who you guys know, big number two outside wide receiver for us. Who's man, he's got the ability to kind of take over this league if he puts kind of a, if he puts it all together. And, and he kind of turned it on late in that second half as well. Put up a big twenty-five yard run when they get him on an end around and made a couple of big catches as well. So no, it, it's it's definitely been you know a work in progress on the offside the ball, offensive side of the ball, and um, yeah, still kind of waiting for it all to get put together for sure. You know, I, I think that's been a common theme that we've said week after week about Troy is they're close, but they're not quite there yet. Is is that kind of what you've seen from them as well? And, and what do you think is that missing piece that they need in order to be back to the Troy of old? Yeah, you know, I think, and to be honest with you, the difference the last couple of years has been has been the close games. Uh, just to be honest with you, 2019, 2020, if you go back and, and look at the games back in 19, Troy lost the, the close one to Arkansas State. Uh, I think I think that was a Sunbelt opener that year, and that went down to the wire. You know, the Georgia State game last year in the vet, that was another close one. And so, um, you know, the majority of the games that they've lost, or we've lost, or however you would say it, have been have been the close contests. And that's kind of been what the difference is. And so it's just, you know, close games, it's kind of about an attitude and a swagger and, you know, having that mentality and that, that, that attitude that, that you're going to win the game. And, um, you know, it was a big step forward last week at Southern Miss where you're going in the locker room down three nothing on the road. I think you got like eighty something yards of total offense in the first half. But then you come out in the second half it's a completely different ball game um, from that side of the ball. And so that was a good sign to see that there's a little bit of swagger back, a little bit of attitude back. Um the players are really kind of leading this program, which is what you want um from a good football team is you want you want to be a player led program and, and you see so you're kind of starting to see all those things kind of come together right now. Gunnar Watson, to me, seemed like a guy who was going to become the next Brandon Silver. He just seemed like he was going to take those reins. How did uh, Taylor Powell end up? Uh, what what was he showing in uh, spring that made him the uh, the and, and, and fall practice? I suppose what made him what gave what made him the starter when it was all said and done. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, Gunner was was really good last year. And, you know, he didn't get to play a whole bunch of games. He missed two and a half games. He got hurt in the Georgia State game, took that shot to the ribs where he broke a couple of ribs and actually didn't play against Arkansas State last year. Jacob Free came into that game, and I think he threw for about 800 yards uh, and like six touchdowns on that one. But, um, 
you know, uh, don't mean to bring up any bad memories or something. Okay. Sorry, Jeremy. But, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and you know, Jim put it best, you know, going to lose the job, Taylor won the job, you know. And so it, it's a, an instance where he's a little bit more mobile in the pocket. Uh, he's not going to be a Caleb Barker, if you remember him from a few years ago, where, where Caleb – um, could take it and run 80 yards in any single play. I think it was actually the Georgia State game where he got hurt for his ACL two times ago with the vet, and he had like 110 yards rushing in the first quarter and a half before he got hurt. Um, you know, he, he's not that guy, but Powell has the ability to extend the plays. Um, the first touchdown on Saturday against Southern Miss was a play where, you know, probably should have gotten tackled in the backfield for a sack, was able to get outside the pocket, find a guy, Jabri Barber, going down the sideline. Uh, and it ended up turning into a touchdown, and so that's 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 the difference between the two guys right there. Um, is is Taylor's, abil- uh, you know, ability to extend some stuff in the pocket, um, but I think in a guy like Gunnar Watson, man, you know, with the way college football is these days, uh, you got to have more than one quarterback, and and I don't know if there's very many uh, number twos in the country that are better than than what Gunnar Watson is for us. So you're about to play uh, your first conference game, ULM, and nobody really knows who ULM is. Not even Dusty Thibodeau knows who ULM is. <laughs> We're is winners crazy. this week, baby. We're winners <laughs> this week. We're going to figure it out. So uh, I think we were kind of chatting before we turned on the record button, and you, you hinted that you didn't know very much about this ULM team. So how's the team approaching this, this game of mystery? Yeah, I, the one thing I do know about ULM is they probably got the best player name in the country, um, and Boogie Knight, the wide receiver. Like I was, I was doing some prep work for notes on stuff on Sunday night, and I saw Boogie. And I was like, I, I had to tweet about it. So impressive of a name. So uh, even even Chip called it out in his press conference or before we went on his press conference today. Like he said, do you know they had a guy named Boogie Knight? And I was like, yeah, I saw it on Sunday. It's pretty pretty sweet. So um, big fan of Boogie. Hope he hope he has a has a decent game on Saturday. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a little bit of an intriguing matchup, uh, just cause you don't know, you know, we, we played, um, the Terry Bowden team in Akron, uh, in 2018, they came here 2017, one of those two years they came here and we went back up there after he had already, um, left the program. And so we've got a little recent film on him from that, but, uh, you know, with, with Rich Rod and they're running the offense and, um, you know, a whole bunch of new players, I think they got a whole bunch of transfers, that came into the program in the off season. And so, yeah, you just don't really know. And they played the Kentucky team in the first game of the year and then an FCS team in week two. And so I'm sure they didn't show a whole lot. Uh, and so it's going to be intriguing. What I do, do know, and Dusty, the numbers for front of you, I think Troy is like one in five or one in four in their last six trips to Monroe. Um, and so it's, it's a place that, for whatever reason, you know, Troy has struggled to play in Malone Stadium. Um, you know, even the even the one they won, we won the last time there. I think it was 2018. Got up 35 to nothing or something like that at halftime, and then hung out for dear life uh, in an eight point win. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a long trip. It's a long bus ride. It's a bus ride for us. You know, we're in Jackson, so we got two hours to drive from uh, from the hotel to the stadium on game day. So there's a lot of factors that got to go into it, and. Um, you know, this team doesn't – you're not going to take anything for granted walking into the way – walking into that stadium the way, you know, the last two years have gone, that's for sure. Guys, I think loss and all of our excitement over NLI, conference realignment, the launch of the podcast, it's all overshadowed. It's the Sun Belt's 20th anniversary. It can't quite have a beer with us yet, but it's close. Adam, you're a longtime guy here in the Sun Belt Conference. 
what's your favorite memory and your favorite player that you've seen in all of your time? Oh man. So I'm, I'm going to split it up if that's okay. So I don't get it either school that I worked at. So, uh, you know, I was at ULM from 2007 to, to 2011 and, um, that should probably trigger you for right there for what, for what my favorite memory is. You know, my first year at Monroe, uh, is when we beat Alabama and, uh, you know, that's, that's a great memory for many reasons. I went to Auburn. Uh, so anytime, you know, Alabama loses a game like that, that's just, you know, makes it a little bit extra fun, but there's a good story behind it too. My wife was still living in North Carolina because I had just come down. I was working before I came to ULM. And so Kelly was still living in North Carolina trying to sell her house up there and all that kind of good stuff. Well, she's from Birmingham. Her whole family is Alabama fans, all that kind of good stuff. So she ended up coming to the game. She drove down. I think it was the week before Thanksgiving, if, I, if memory serves me correctly. And so 14 nothing at halftime, Dusty, 21 nothing at halftime, something like, or no, 21-14 at halftime or something like that. And I come down there to take stats to the locker room, and I find her in the stands. And our plan was to go back to Birmingham after the game spend a little bit of time there for Thanksgiving and then come back. I think we played Lafayette or Middle Tennessee at home or something like that the following weekend. And I went up there and said, I said you know, if we win this game, we're having to go back to Monroe tonight because there's going to be a bunch of work to do and there's going to be a bunch of fun to have. She looked at me and said, y'all ain't winning this football game. So we go down there in the fourth quarter. It's still 21 to 14. I pull up there and look at her and she just starts laughing. Well, I drove the trail car like the – advanced car that was my job at Monroe so I didn't get to ride the bus and do work I actually had to drive a car back and so she rode with us back well she had to go to the bathroom like you wouldn't believe and the only place for her to go to the bathroom was in our locker room and so all the players were already out by this time but you can only imagine what a visiting team locker room looks like following a game following a win over Alabama when you're ULM and there's players running around the locker room with coolers on their heads and everything else uh, it was probably the nastiest experience she's ever had, and she still talks about it to this day. So, um, you know, that was probably my favorite ULM memory, favorite player at ULM. Um, you know, I, I'm a big Colton Brownie fan, always will be. Um, and then, you know, since I've been here at Troy, favorite memory at Troy has to be beating LSU, man. That was uh, that was insane. That was intense game. Um, you know, in in Death Valley, and you go in there and and, and really dominated that game. It was it wasn't. It wasn't – the game was never in doubt. We led from the first possession uh, on, and, um, and that was just a ton of fun, man. I just – that was just – that was a blast. Um, and as far as favorite player here, Mega Chun, Jordan Chun, um, you know, running back here a few years ago, and he's just a really cool guy, man. He came to my kids' school all the time. It actually <laughs> popped up on my Facebook memories today, a picture with him and my daughter, Emma Kate, where he came to school and read to their classroom. And so I'm a big I'm a big Jordan Chun fan. There's been a bunch of guys that have come through. You know, I'm thinking like Frank Gooden at ULM, uh, Cody Wells. There's just a bunch of guys that have come through, you know, both programs that just, you know, have really kind of stood out over the years. And so it's it's been fun, man. And you talk about 20 years. This league is insane. Dude. You know, from when I first started in 2007, you had like, what, one or two teams going to a bowl game uh, a year, maybe. And now you got teams that are winning eight games and not getting into bowl games or seven games and not getting into bowl games. And, um, you know, it's it's just – it's insane the amount of coaching talent that's in this league and playing talent that's in this league. And, um, you know, if you put different jerseys on some of these teams, you know, and turn it on TV and you had people that had no idea turning in and watch, you know, they, they wouldn't realize they're watching Sunbelt football. You know, they think they might be watching an ACC game or something like that with just the, the athletes that – Every it's, it's everybody in the league too. It's not just one or two teams, man. Like it's it's everybody in the league has dudes on both sides of the football, and it, it's it's fun, man. It's this league is fun. 
There, there's some really, really good rivalries brewing. Coastal and, and Lafayette with what happened last year. And I think Troy and Georgia State are kind of getting that way. Um, you know, and obviously Troy and South and Georgia Southern and App and Georgia Southern and Georgia State. It's, it's a really fun league to be around right now. And, and the Sun Belt's in a really good position as far as where we're at as a conference. Yeah, we've definitely come a long way from 2001 where I remember ULM hosting that first ever Sun Belt Conference game. And I, I even looked at Commissioner Wright Waters saying, God, I hope this sticks. <laughs> ben and Jeremy, y'all have not been around the league as long. I'm an old guy. I mean, ULM Stephen Giles was probably one of the best players I've seen. Colton Browning, obviously, from ULM. T.Y. Hilton, uh, that, that should be like one of the, the four-letter words that you can't say because I know I said it every time he was on the field because he was downfield making that play. My favorite memory, since we're going down memory lane of 20, and I think, Adam, you were actually there, Sunbelt Media Days, they decided to rent out the riverboat. They have some good old <laughs> casino games there. FAU quarterback Rusty Smith can throw some serious bones on the craps table. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I said I, I will never forget me and Rusty shooting shooting craps on on the riverboat, not for real money. Unfortunately, they wouldn't give us real chips. We couldn't cash them in for anything at the end of the time. But yeah, and he was huge too. Wasn't he like six five or something like that? But he was tall and skinny, and had like that little fade top haircut or something like that. He was a big, big guy. So yeah. you know, there was that, and then also the camaraderie that we had all the new Iberia guys there on the bow, where you had Michael DeZormo from Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Zeke Zachary from ULM and Corey Leonard all sitting on the bow of the ship, just kind of hanging out, talking about, you know, growing up together, playing high school ball together and now playing against one another. Um, it was always good to see that where, where the guys had really come up together and now we're competing against each other, but still friends off the field. And, and you still see that, man. Like, like that's what's really cool about Sunbelt Media Day too, is the way they do it. You know, like the players are, they all hang out in the green room and like, you know, they're all just, you know, shooting the bull back there and trading stories. And it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of cool to see like the same thing you mentioned you started back there and whatever you have know, 2008 or 2009 on there on the riverboat. But yeah, there's, there's, there's good relationship. There's all these guys, the recruiting grounds are very similar. You know, Arkansas state comes into Alabama a whole bunch, or at least they used to, you know, under the previous staff. And so there's always all those ties and, um, you know, Troy goes into Georgia a whole lot and gets guys. So, you know, a lot of those guys played high school ball together and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's there's definitely some good relationships and camaraderie between all the teams. So one of the things that I've never gotten to do, Adam, is I've never gotten to go to Troy for a game. Can you tell us a little bit about the, 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 the pregame tailgate that you would expect to see at Troy, which Troy isn't a big town, Troy. Uh, so what, what's the atmosphere like? Population of Pike County is 19,000 people. You know, we're averaging 24-ish thousand for a game. And so, um, yeah, it's not a small town. But, I mean, if you're going to talk about a Troy football game, you got to start off with the best press box drink cooler in college football. I don't I don't know if Ben's been up there to experience it or not. But, um, you know, but no, we, 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 have, we, have, we do have the best drink cooler in college football. So, when, we, when Arkansas State comes, I guess, next year or whatever, make sure you come and, we'll get you taken care of, but yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a nice atmosphere. We got a, you know, on the South end of the stadium, which is, um, has some lower bowl seating right outside of that is a, we call it tailgate terrace. It's basically behind the left center field wall uh, of the baseball stadium. And people get to set up tents in there and the cookout and the tailgate, um, you know, and things like that. The, the sound of the South marching band, um, you know, is, is a big pride point for the university and, and they play a bunch of shows around campus before the game and tailgate terrace and, 
Um, you know, our student section, believe it or not, we've only got 9,000 students on campus. Uh, and I think we average about 4,000 students per game, 4,000 to 4,500 students per game in that student section. And they're loud. Now, we wish they would stay a little bit longer. Most of them leave by halftime, which I think is kind of a, a problem across the country. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not, a, that's not, you know, just not just a Troy issue. But, uh, but man, when they're there, they're loud and they get into it. And so, uh, we put that, that new north end zone facility that got built in, in 2018, and that really kind of traps the noise in there as well. And so it's turned into a pretty good little uh, home field stadium, and, and, and the noise gets trapped in there. And so, um, yeah, it's turned into a nice little venue. It's, we hold, you know, 30,000 people in the stadium, and we're averaging 22 to 24,000 people per game. And, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a nice facility. You know, I know Dusty's been up there a couple times, and, um, you know, the press box area is really nice and there's 29 suites that are filled up and stuff like that. So it's, it's a pretty good place and no, no, no siren or no horn like Georgia state has. <laughs> yeah. I kept telling all the Troy fans that hopped in my <laughs> minute, don't give up 52 points. You're not going to hear the horn as much. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, you know, that, that's kind of funny. Cause you know, you know, like everybody in the country is, you know, we had a little fun after our win over Southern Miss and, you know, posted a, a graphic on, on social media with the score on it. And some of their fans weren't too happy about it. And, then, you know, our fans reminded them, well, if, you know, if you don't let them win the game, the graphic doesn't get posted. So, uh, but yeah, if you don't give up 52 points at, 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 at uh, Turner Field, you don't have to hear the horn 52 times. But you guys play it more than when they just score. I feel like it gets played like every first down, every third down, every time Mike Holmes <laughs> has to go to the bathroom, you know, anything like that, I feel like we, have, we get that horn. Maybe, or maybe it's just when we come. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, it's tough when you give up half a hundred. I understand it all. Kind of, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens at the end of the get, uh, end of the season because I can tell you this much: if uh, if Troy's averaging seventeen points a game, they're going to hear that horn a whole lot more come uh, November. Yeah, Mike told me they've got the uh, the physical plan in there to see if they can crank the volume up once we come over there in uh, in November. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I can tell you the Charlotte fans were uh, were not real thrilled about it. All 150 that showed up this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> was that the home or the away uh, attendance there, Ben? Oh, damn. Oh. The attendance smack talk. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk about Monroe. Hold on. Let's, let's just, <laughs> hey, Jackson us. State brought all of their band members. It was a sellout. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Adam, we thank you so much for joining us, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be able to uh, have you back. Maybe the the Sun Belt Conference championship game is headed to Troy, or, or maybe y'all are headed somewhere in the West. Just uh, hey, so you said you're going to be there on Saturday. Just make sure you bring me some Johnny's pizza. The press. Ay, ay, ay. All right. So, so yeah, so so Troy kicks off the Sun Belt Conference uh, week number four for you, Ben, scoring at home. Traveling to ULM, the Louisiana Lafayette Georgia Southern game, guys. I I really think this is going to be Louisiana Lafayette's coming out party. I I, I think Georgia Southern's issues that they have, it's it's going to get ugly. Yeah, I think Georgia Southern is, and Ben's going to love hearing this. Georgia Southern's a terrible team. It is god awful. There is nothing. There's no redeeming quality to this team right now. Uh, getting beat by Arkansas is fine. You know, it, it, that's a tough, tough place to go, but they really didn't show much. I, I think they put on social media uh, yesterday a graphic of their of the person who had scored like an 80-yard touchdown, 
and made it sound like that was a huge victory for the for the school. But it was like you lost 50 to what, 10? So uh, there's something going on to me at Georgia Southern that even transcends a losing record. There just seems to be almost a losing mentality going on with Georgia Southern that I have never seen before come out of uh, out of uh, Statesboro. So I'm actually a bit dismayed with this Georgia Southern team right now. So you're right. I, I think the spread's pretty big for a big Cajuns win. I, I, you, you might want to go ahead and take those points because uh, I, I think the Cajuns blow them out. Yeah, I, we, we talked about it the last few weeks and even previewing the season. You know, it, can't, it comes down to really two things running that specific offense. You have to have quality quarterback play. And we, you know, Justin Tom. We know about his academic issues. That was his first, hey, welcome to 2021. You're going to go on the road and face an SEC team that's very, very good. Uh, you know, there are people who kind of walking in that game were saying, hey, uh, Arkansas was going to potentially have a letdown game and the spread's pretty big. Uh, that didn't happen at all. And uh, I also think uh, offensive line, it's been a problem for two straight seasons with the Eagles. And if you don't have quality quarterback play, you're not able to run that option. And really, if you're not able to move anybody uh, on the offensive line, that offense, it's not going to move. And you, you've seen that so far this season. They absolutely got blasted against Florida Atlantic. Um, and uh, we know Commissioner Gill was at that game and bounced around. I imagine he probably didn't stay very long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, knowing Arkansas. And then you have Louisiana, uh, Lafayette coming in uh, to Statesboro. And, you know, we were, we were just kind of joking with Adam and, and, and about fans. Um, I can tell you this much. Uh, there's a lot of fans uh, that aren't going to make that trip on Saturdays continuously if this continues because uh, not all the fan base lives there in Statesboro, Georgia, you know, about three and a half, four hours from the metro Atlanta area. Uh, they are, ha- you know, have been super loyal to travel down uh, I-16 uh, to run down there. But, um, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, you, you, you're, you're not going to go down there and see that repeatedly uh, to see a losing product. And we know uh, on every college campus, there's, you're not going to sit out and watch poor football you know, you, when you can sit at home in your dorm room or, or you know, student apartment and watch six or seven different games uh, that may be a little bit more fun. Uh, so uh, it's it's very interesting. The vibes that I'm getting from there uh, are not good. Uh, certainly talking to some folks down there, things could uh, could certainly improve, obviously, with the win over the Cajuns, but I don't foresee it. I, I think this could be a, a bludgeoning and, uh, you know, a, a really, really ugly loss at home. Yeah, and I ended up watching a lot of that uh, uh, Louisiana versus Ohio game on Thursday night, and it was boring, but it was boring in a way that Louisiana fans love. It's just running down the middle, crushing their opponent with just just punishing running backs. I think they had something like four or five rushing touchdowns. I feel like the old Cajuns are back, and I, I don't feel like that's good news for, for the uh, Georgia Southern at all. And, and, you know, to, to rewind back to that Thursday night game, statistically, it was kind of a disappointing game for Louisiana Lafayette. Levi Lewis only 212 yards and one touchdown. As you said, the running game was there. Montrell Johnson, 84 yeah. yards, four touchdowns. I mean, they were running literally all over the Bobcats. But if, if, if you just kind of look at the box score, you don't see how good of a game that was. You're like, uh, is, is Levi Lewis legit? And, and don't get me wrong, I, I do think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. But statistically, it just was not an overwhelming game. Well, I'll tell you one thing about that pass game for Louisiana was that Lewis was throwing some bullets 
that were just bouncing off the receiver's hands. And I couldn't tell if it was just a lack of touch from Lewis or if it was just a lack of ability from the wide receivers. I was a little surprised to see that. You know, you always expect the Cajuns to come in with that run game, but you also expect to see some competent uh, uh, wide receivers out there. And I, I just felt like they, he, like Lewis just didn't quite have a connection so far with his wide receivers. Still, he didn't need it. I mean, he still has he, – they, they had that run game that just – made Ohio look bad. So, uh, yeah, and, and like I said, don't think Georgia Southern is going to look any better against that that Cajuns team. The darling of the league, Coastal Carolina, rolled on, somehow beating Buffalo. And I watched that game. I have no idea how they won that game. Grayson McCall, again, 232, three TDs. Great performance once again from Grayson. But the rest of the shots, I just didn't see it. And, and I feel like that was their wake-up call. They talked about it on game day where they had even talked with Harwell about kind of grounding that team because they were kind of getting too big for themselves. I think that's kind of what we saw was that they just figured Buffalo was going to bow down and, and, and give them the game, and that didn't happen. Yeah, so, Buffalo is a quality program. They uh, really are. Yeah, you look at the Mac, you say, okay, well, but Mac plays solid, hard-nosed football. And you get a team out in Conway that maybe is a little bit soft from celebrity. I don't know, but they go up to they go up to Buffalo and they get punched in the teeth. Now Conway or uh, the Chants just have talent. Uh, you can't deny that they've got talent on both sides of the ball, and they were able to pull out that win. I think in the end, having that close call against Buffalo is just going to make them stronger. But yeah, it was it, it did point out a lot of different things about uh, Coastal Carolina that that teams from going forward will be able to look at and go, okay, these guys can bleed. We can beat these guys. Yeah, and and, and I don't know if that Buffalo game is really a wake-up call because they get UMass this week. That, exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's, exactly. Let's, They're going to play a terrible team, right? Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest. This is going to be their FCS tune-up game before they go into conference play. And so I don't think that we still know if they're hungry for that Sunbelt Conference Championship, if they're hungry to keep winning – they're going to get a win this week, but how pretty is it going to be? And what's it really going to expose on that, that uh, coastal Carolina team? Yeah. And I think that's, that's the question ultimately. I mean, I, like, I, like, and this is, you know, no disrespect uh, to, to any of the fine folks that listen to our podcast in the uh, new England area, but uh, you know, you, you roll Citadel, the Citadel and UMass on the same field. I'm not going to see a, that much of a discernible difference. Uh, now does coastal punish you know, UMass, like they did to Citadel to open the season there at home and, and get everyone to play? Um, or, or is there still a little bit of the hangover? Hey, we played sloppy. We played poorly. We can still win. So we're just going to kind of continue to roll out there. Uh, you know, I'm very interested to see uh, not not only just, you know, we know how, how strong uh, Grayson McCall is, but um, that defense giving up 25 points, you know, was a little bit of eye raiser for me. Um, and to see if they can certainly get better, uh, you know, that's that's the one area I think, you, you know, we talked about that's what separates the good teams from the great teams in the Sun Belt. You know, you, you're going to have to defend uh, every single week because the, everyone can score. Um, you know, we, you know, we were just talking, obviously, to Adam about Troy. Uh, Troy, average, if they're averaging 17 points a game, they're not going to win a lot of games in the Sun Belt. The teams can absolutely score in this league, as we know. So um, you're going to have to get up and, and play in that level, you know, getting up in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, potentially in some games. So interested to see how they build um, and use that. And, and again, it was a 
road win. We talked about last week in a noon start up there in Buffalo. So weird stuff happens in, at noon. And, um, you know, they were able to escape uh, New York with a W. Everyone's going to focus this past week in week three of Texas State falling to incarnate word. That game is, yes, it was a loss. But if you watch the game, the Bobcats had two costly fumbles late that would have uh, presumably given them at least 10 points off of that for a close win. Brady McBride, 278 yards, Barbie, two, two TD receptions. The thing that gets lost, and I know a lot of play, people are going to use this as an excuse, and it's not because with them being such a cluster of a team, and I mean that good in that they brought in so many transfers, I don't think that they have gelled enough yet that when you have 24 players out for COVID yeah. and you haven't really played with that guy next to you much because he just got on campus like you did, it's not going to fare well. And then at one point they played a non-depth chart person in the secondary. <laughs> I've only ever known of one non-depth chart person to excel, and I can't even remember his name. He was a running back for Auburn that scored against UT Chattanooga. That's literally the extent of what I remember. So, yes, it is bad. It's embarrassing. It was the 10th FCS over FBS win of the season. But I think that you can almost put half of an asterisk next to that game. Absolutely, Dusty Thibodeau. In fact, I didn't know that that fact about COVID until about a half an hour before we started this podcast. Happened to be happened to run into that uh, storyline on Twitter. Uh, before then, I just thought, oh, my God, Texas State just could not beat Incarnate Word, who isn't historically isn't that bad of a, a FCS team. They actually can come out and, and, and give you a ball game. But it was embarrassing for the program, let's be honest. Uh, Spavadol probably did not want to, to – probably had that as a, a instant win for himself and for the team. Uh, he probably didn't expect to have to be defending himself coming into this Eastern Michigan game about why his team couldn't come up with a win at home against an FCS program. Now he's got to motivate these guys to play a hard-nosed Mac team. Uh, again, I, I, I actually have faith in this Texas Bobcats team. I feel like they, they have a good chance of pulling out this Eastern Michigan win, but damn, to know that they had that many people out for COVID, do they still have? that many people out for COVID. I don't know how long these protocols are going to last for them. Will they have a full team going into Eastern Michigan? Biggest issue, ultimately, we don't we don't know that information. I, I believe Eastern Michigan is actually favored in the matchup. So yeah. um, that's a difficult part about it. Uh, you know, as we've talked about, too, it was, it's year three for Spavital there uh, and Sam Marcus. And let, let's be honest, man, if you're on the hot seat, uh, no matter what the factors, uh, you lose to an FCS team. Uh, that's another one of those kind of line items where the fans point out and go, hey, uh, I don't really care. You can't lose to an FCS team. Um, I know Georgia Southern almost lost to Campbell last season uh, with 20-plus <laughs> guys for COVID, yet they found a way to win. So um, it's it's difficult. It's going to get more difficult this week. And, and you know, you're, you guys, both your points are dead on. I mean, with so many new guys, um, you know, still early in the season too. So you're shoving guys in places where they're not prepared to play necessarily. Uh, and also – depending on when these teams are actually testing, uh, the team may have practiced all week. Guys may have tested on Thursday, realized, hey, tag, you're in on Friday. You're going to be playing and you're going to be starting and you're going to be in the two deep. 
Um, they may not have been practicing all week. So I don't know that for a fact, but um, I do know these teams basically, depending on their vaccination levels, uh, you know, it does vary up the times and, and that they have to actually test uh, before the matchup. So that could have also thrown some, some uh, you know, pl- plenty of, uh, of wrenches in the system there. Two close calls also kind of on the nightcap of Saturday. Both of them SWAC teams against the Sun Belt. ULM mm-hmm. able to use four field goals to get the win, 12-7 over Jackson State. As crazy as it sounds, uh, there's two kind of yin-yang stats that come out of that game. The negative, of course, ULM has just one touchdown in eight quarters of football. How are you even one and one if you have one touchdown in eight quarters of football? The other stat, ULM is plus three on turnover margin. That is the third best in the NCAA. This Warhawk defense is legit. If only the offensive line can come around, this team will do huge, huge things. Yeah, you know, talking about the the, the defense for ULM and, and and the and the and the fact that you only scored that one touchdown. I you came into the season, Dusty, saying we won't know anything about this Warhawks team until they play Troy. I kind of just sort of shook that off. You're right; we don't know anything about this Warhawks team, even though you're impressed with the defense now, you're still like, well, all right, they played Kentucky, which you, you really can't tell from that because. And, and, and a non-traditional good Kentucky team at that. Yes. And, but they gave up some points and, but they didn't give up many points to a uh, FCS team that has some celebrity behind it. In the end, you still don't know a hundred percent what you have with Bo, uh, Bowen, or uh, Terry Bowden, and and the ULM Warhawks, and you won't know until the game with uh, the uh, with the tr- uh, Troy Trojans is over, and maybe that's the secret weapon ULM has going a- a- into with Troy is that Troy has no idea what to expect. Uh, I don't know if ULM has a chance against Troy. Uh, I know that Ben has made it a uh, a good point in saying that this Troy team has only scored seventeen points. Uh, you seem to believe that the defense is is pretty stout for ULM. That will be very interesting to see how this ULM defense goes against this struggling Troy offense. And wouldn't it be cool if somehow ULM managed to take those 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 variables and turn that into a win? And I think the, I think the biggest thing too, and Dusty, you know, knows it because he lives it every, every day. Is uh, ultimately you you have a culture that. Uh, hasn't expected to win. So ultimately, when you have these games that go one way, they're almost expecting for the next shoe to drop, right? You're like, oh, something bad's going to happen. Ah, we can't score a touchdown. Ah, we only got a field goal that drive and that drive. And to find a way to win, um, you know, as you know, we kind of zoomed out and, and, and talked about Coach Prime there uh, in Jackson State. Um, he was doing a lot of chirping and big and, and, and you know, recruited extremely well. Uh, and utilizing a lot of the you know FCS or FBS to FCS uh, pipeline there to to stock his group there that that's a really big win. I know a lot of folks may not pay attention to it obviously nationally, um, but but Jackson State as Dusty and I talked about you know shoot before this podcast even started, uh, there's guys that would start legitimately uh, across FBS and in some cases at Power Five programs in the two deep that are on that roster. Uh, so to me, that's a very impressive win. Uh, you know, it's, it's not 
playing a you know a Citadel or Furman or Tennessee Chattanooga necessarily. That that's a little bit more of a legit type uh, program in my view. And uh, to come away and find a way to win, uh, I think was critical for Bowden and that staff. As we said, the SWAC was all over the Sun Belt this past weekend with South Alabama getting the 28-21 win. The Jacks dominated the game, but literally almost fumbled the game away with four turnovers on that. Held, held the Braves to just 32 yards rush. I mean, South Alabama won that game everywhere but the scoreboard. And I mean, yes, they won the game there, but it should have been a lot wider of a margin than that game. I, I think it really shows that, A, you can't sleep on any team, and that, B, the best team in the Sun Belt to beat a Sun Belt team is a Sun Belt team. That you're going to go undefeated if you fumble the ball four times. You're going to beat yourself all day. Yeah, here we are with South Alabama, who's 3-0. and uh, In fact, there was a... <laughs> Some national pundit was talking about you know three and O teams and 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 forgot to mention the Jags and Jag faithful got pretty upset with that and rightfully so because Kane Womack has done a pretty good job. But what's funny about these these wins for the Jags is none of them have been definitive. None of them have been just a a a a a a blowout in the way that would give you a confidence that the Jaguars are going to be this 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 power team in the Sun Belt. But you can't ignore that they're three and I. The point of the matter is, after four weeks of f- football, they will still be undefeated. And I, I, I don't think, unless something miraculous happens with UMass and Coastal Carolina, uh, I, I don't see anybody being in that position. So I, I think South Alabama might be what we thought they were when we started the season. They're a solid team. They're a team that's capable of winning at any time. Are they a team that's going to... Uh, challenge the, the 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 elites of the Sun Belt this season? Probably not, but they will uh, cause a lot of headaches and a lot of indigestion for some people. Uh, so I suspect South Alabama wins the bye this week. And 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 on that note, Jeremy, also looking ahead to next week, Lafayette has to go to Mobile to play. I like the Jags with two weeks to prepare for Lafayette. Yeah, wow. Look how that the schedule falls neatly for South Alabama for that, right? Yeah. And what a great game for, for the Cajuns to have to uh, come up to. You know, that's 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 going to be a great game to watch no matter what. I think gone are the days of a Jags team that are just boring as, 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 as dirt to watch. I think we're seeing a Jags team that likes to bring in some excitement, likes to kind of roll the dice a little bit. Kane Wobmack almost brings that wrestler's mentality to the team, and it really needed that. I think the city of Mobile needed that. And he's energized that fan base for sure. I mean, like it or not, ultimately, uh, winning is better than losing. Uh, I saw him taking some pictures post-game and taking some selfies with some fans there in the front row. Uh, A lot of positive energy, and as you guys mentioned, uh, it'll be a positive energy again uh, this week and and an enormous game, honestly, uh, there for South Alabama, bringing the Cajuns in, you know, the defending West champs basically uh, coming in there. So uh, excited to see that one, uh, but uh, they can rest up, get healthy and uh, watch some game film on the, uh, on the Cajuns. What a week for the Sun Belt, though. Seven and three, best record in all the G5. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Mountain West, American six and four, Mac four and eight, and the good old Tommy McClellan, Conference USA three and seven on the weekend. Aww, poor guys. Poor guys. <laughs> you know, 
it's funny that he will forever be associated with Louisiana Tech and Conference USA after his statements on that. And, and, and I think that it's a great thing that that will live on in infamy. You know, that's one of those statements I always feel a little bad about because you want a coach that defends the conference, right? You want him to say nice things. And, and he was the athletic director. Yeah. Oh, was it the? I, for some reason, I thought it was Skip Holtz. Why did I think it was Skip Holtz? Well, no, Skip but, Holtz is the one that said that Louisiana Tech is the elite university. Yeah, that's right. Maybe that's okay. I'm getting that all confused, which which happens after two beers for me. But <laughs> but you know, you like a little bit of swagger out of the team. But yeah, it, that has not. That, I think proverbially we call that not aging well, and that did not age well at all. Yeah, the, the internet is forever, friends. Uh, that's uh, pretty much, you know, if you, you have a video and you, you want to shoot it, uh, as we, we've seen already, uh, things that, you know, folks have put on Twitter, uh, you can go back and search for those long and wide. Uh, videos are even worse. And, uh, you know, we, as we continue to talk about uh, what happens if Conference USA loses some teams, uh, it could get ugly and in a hurry and even worse. And uh, especially if the Sun Belt is expecting to add. Uh, so uh, that may be a topic for another day, but, uh, you know, I, it is certainly interesting that way. Yeah, and, and two games that we still have on the agenda there that we, we haven't talked about this upcoming week. Obviously, Georgia State goes down to the plains of Auburn, which uh, Adam had talked about earlier. Arkansas State and Tulsa. I'd like this game as a matchup of the Sun Belt against the American, but I think this is a very winnable game for Arkansas State and would be a huge statement for the conference as a whole. Well, beating an American team is always good. You know, Tulsa, what's funny about Tulsa is that they're winless coming into the game with Arkansas State. They open the season with a loss against a FCS team. Their latest loss is against a, a storied Big Ten team. That's exactly what happened when we faced Washington this uh, or last week on Saturday. They lost their opening game to FCS team. Their last loss was against Michigan. So it feels like we're just caught in some sort of, of, of evil Groundhog's Day time loop right now. Uh, the difference between Tulsa and Washington is Washington opened the season as a top 20 team. They certainly played like it against Arkansas State. When you what the Arkansas State, when you get beat 53 to two or no, no, 52 to three, you, you hope you can come away with maybe some positives and maybe with some lessons. We came away with nothing from that. There was no aspect of that game where you can look at and go, yeah, we can, we can, we can get something out of that, or, or we can learn a lesson here. There was nothing. It was like we went to the went to the West Coast, picked up our check, and left. Maybe had a nice seafood dinner in Seattle but when we came home we got nothing but the check with Tulsa we're uh, I think the feeling is is that we can redo this whole process we can get back the the team can get back to, to doing what they do best which is throwing the ball and getting it to those wide receivers maybe do something with that defense but quite frankly after the Washington game it looks like any white uh, quarterback who is playing the secondary is going to have the game of their lives. So if, if you're if Arkansas state's on the schedule, the quarterback for your favorite team is going to have absolutely the best game of the season. You can count on it. He can ride that all the way into the next season. Make sure he gets the starting job based off that, because that will be his resume right there. His, his game against Arkansas state. So uh, do I think we can beat Tulsa? Yeah, I think we can beat Tulsa. It's just a matter of uh, 
picking up the assignments, running the right routes, having a good game plan, and and actually remembering how to play the game of football. Yeah, and, and Butch Jones sounded defeated today on the uh, press conference, or when I got to hear it today, he sounded just like that. Like it was like, oh God, you know, I hope the check clears because <laughs> the beating we took, it, it, there's not enough money for us to justify that. So yeah, hopefully that's just a, a it was a bad game and, and not a sign of how the season's going to go for the Red Wolves. But it, it, it definitely doesn't fare well when your head coach even sounds defeated. Well, you know, that that's actually in a lot of ways kind of a refreshing turnaround. Anderson would have looked at that game and shrugged and said, oh, you know, our boys played their hardest. They did a good game. At least it feels like Butch Anderson actually gives a damn about, about the results, which is fine with us. We'll take that. And he said it was his fault, and we'll take that too. But – but uh, oh god, I forgot what I forgot the important salient point I was going to make. But I will I will say that Arkansas State uh, fans aren't very happy with with that uh, with that effort that happened against uh, Washington. So I would not expect. I, I really do expect Jones to have that ship right against Tulsa. Whether we win or lose, I don't know. I, I feel like we can win that game. I said so in my preview of it. Well, and they just expect a much, much better effort, you know, like, like, you know, we've talked about, I mean, you, you, you felt good, right. In the loss against Memphis, you're like, all right, you competed, you know, basically for four quarters, it, there was no competition last week. And that's the frustrating part about it for, for the fan base. And uh, I, well, what's interesting looking at Tulsa, the way they finished, you know, the 2020 season, um, you know, they had close losses and, and, you know, close losses, uh, a lot of times are, are you can build off of and, and they just don't seem to be building. And like you talked about, they, they had a tough had a tough road to hoe there and uh, maybe thought, hey, we can compete with an SEC program like at Mississippi State. And then all of a sudden you lose at home to an FCS program. And yeah, so great. But the, you know, all those losses from Tulsa, they've lost five straight going back uh, last year. Uh, they've been close, you know, they're, 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 they, they get, they get to a point where it looks like they might win, even in that Ohio state game, uh, you know, the storyline was, Oh my God, look at Tulsa. They're coming and beating down, you know, Ohio state. Then they're hanging in there and at the end, Ohio state kind of pulled away, but uh, Tulsa's always going to play tough, especially on defense. And uh, that's another thing that has to worry me about, about this game is that, you know, the a state relies on scoring a lot of points. If, a-State's going up against a team with a good defense. That might not happen. But you're right about that Memphis game. I think a lot of fans looked at the Memphis game and said, okay, you know, our defense is not very good, but we put 50 points on these guys. Uh, I think Mississippi State only put 29 on those guys. So why doesn't that translate to some points against Washington? How come? Why? It all gets started on Thursday. (laughs) The Thundering Herd traveled to App State. Is this a preview of a new Sunbelt Conference rivalry happening? Yes. <laughs> Solid maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put my chips down. I'm pushing them all in on Marshall. I think it's gonna, that's going to happen. And I think this game is going to be a terrific game. It's, it's uh, yeah, a revenge game for Appalachian State, who's looked nothing but terrific, even at, in, the, in the loss against Miami. Uh, you got a Marshall team that's also 2-1. and one. Uh, probably full of itself as well. Uh, so I, I I feel like if there is a game of the week to watch in the Sun Belt, and it's not the following a team that you love dearly, that might be the game to watch. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I think 
And of course, I think Appalachian State takes it simply because Appalachian State is playing so professionally right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think it is the marquee uh, game. You're going to see two really good quarterbacks as well take the field. Uh, Grant Wells from Marshall is a really really good quarterback. Folks around nationally probably don't know that name, but uh, look, ESPN Thursday night should be a lot of fun. Another episode in the books, guys. What's your plugs, promos, and parting shots there, Jeremy? Hal Razor has a preview of the Tulsa and uh, Arkansas State game. I encourage everybody to check it out. Next week, I will have a short list of who who is leading in the Sunbelt Sheriff's Badge uh, 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 Award. Uh, so be on the lookout for that, too. Ben? Well, uh, PantherTalk.com, we get to uh, face uh, some the fine folks, uh, SEC program down there in lower Alabama. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I've already recorded five podcasts this week because Auburn has no idea who Georgia State is. They're trying to figure out what's going on. I had someone ask me, uh, do they have any famous alumni? And I said, yeah, there's more Fortune 500 alums at Georgia State than any other program in the state. And that includes Georgia and Georgia Tech. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Got to talk to uh, talk about Julia Roberts and her time uh, on the concrete campus and uh, a short little fellow who used to hang out with the basketball team named Chris Bridges, who turned into a uh, course ludicrous uh, rap artist and entertainer so uh, it's a lot of fun when you play an sec program because uh you, especially being a part of a network because then you get to go and, and and speak with folks and and do all kind of fun podcasts and uh, i'm all over twitter for some reason this week so uh, i have uh, uh, more auburn followers than i have ever uh, imagined <laughs> so greatly appreciate it. i'm sure they will unfollow as soon as the game is over on saturday evening hey ben okay now dusty and i want to know now now that Georgia State's come up with that big win against Charlotte. Is it safe to put up a big wager on Georgia State against Auburn? Hell no. I've, I've tried to tell you guys, stop betting on Georgia State. <laughs> never, I've never laid a legal bet on the Panthers ever. Because What about the illegal ones? Because those count too. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, just, it's just pain, man. It's just pain. No, I, I, I do, do – uh, I'm interested to see certainly them, uh, you know, look – uh, look to try to compete, especially coming week, week two. You know, when you played a power five team at North Carolina, you got embarrassed, got run over, uh, looked really, really poor uh, in the second half. The game was 24-10 at halftime. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see. It uh, doesn't sound like Auburn's super healthy at, at key positions at linebacker and running back. But we know uh, SEC depth is certainly different than Sunbelt depth. So um, I've seen the line fluctuate from when it uh, popped at uh, I think 23 or 24. Now it's it's kind of ballooned to the 27 uh, side of things. So interested to see if the Sharps clean that up this weekend. But uh, it'll be a lot of fun uh, going down, taking the family uh, this weekend and, and making the short trip down Interstate 85 South. Uh, it's only about 80 miles or so from my house. So uh, looking forward to the trip and, and uh, my first to Jordan-Hare. So I'm excited about that. Hey, Ben, I've been to that uh, stadium when A-State played uh, uh, Auburn a few years ago. And you will find a gracious uh, and accommodating fan base. Those guys at Auburn really know how to treat a guest. So you're in for a good treat. But I do have a question, one last question about the Panthers. Is there a quarterback situation brewing? Am I reading that right? Is Cornelius Brown out as starting quarterback? I think for now, I think uh, depending on how the game goes, certainly Saturday, I think you will see him back in and get some snaps. I think ultimately it's a situation where, um, you know, they, they did what they had to do to be Charlotte. I think Granger's, you know, was running a run pass option. They had 50 rushing attempts. And I think more than anything else, just find a way to get a W much needed. That's what happens when you're, you have a pet turtle. Uh, <laughs> by the way, while you're in Auburn, Tumor's Corner, of course, is where you got to go 
for the celebratory rolling of the tumors trees that are now poles, thanks to the Alabama fans. And then also you got to get a tumors lemonade. It is classic. It's good. Probably not as good as when I lived in Auburn um, because it's very commercial now, but definitely uh, something to take the kids to and, and, and see there. My plug promo guys, I got washed out this past week because of the hurricane. I wasn't able to leave the greater Houston area to go to Monroe this week. There's no storm. I don't think as I checked the no. weather channel, cross your fingers, going to fun row for the Sunbelt opener. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And, and I couldn't be more excited about it. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to speak for Ben, but I think I do when I say dusty, we're rooting for you. We're rooting for ULM. We hope things work out with you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, having been 43 years, a Indian and Warhawk faithful, um, I always take the approach of hold my beer and watch this. Sometimes it's <laughs> for the great. Sometimes it's not for the so great. Um, but I've been there through the thick and thin and, and through it all and, and always come back for more. So, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and hoping it's a different outcome. I am definitely insane. Other than that, guys, be sure to check us out on Twitter, Funbelt PC. Drop us a DM. Give us some show ideas of anything that you want to see, anyone from around the conference that you want to hear from, maybe even from around college football as we do try to uh, branch out and, and grow the show as, you know, fans want to hear it. Um, numbers are up guys. People love us. People Yay. are listening week after week. We're big in the Jamaican and Canadian markets. <laughs> About time. So we are internationally known. That's all I can say to you. 